Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. It's called Mad Sounds. One goes out to Mr. Alan Smile. Welcome to another edition of the Mad Sounds Podcast. We are coming to you live from Worthy Farm, Pilton, Somerset, with my good friends, Matt Maynard and Steve Pryor. How are you, boys? Oh, mate, I, you're trolling us because obviously as regular goes of, of Glastonbury Festival, that there is nowhere we'd rather be right now. Oh, you um, started regular goers. Just get the credentials laid out. Get your, get your, get your cards out on the table. I've <laughs> never been to the Grand Festival. You haven't? And uh, go on, give us your numbers. Give us your count. Well, I'm, I'm four now, right? Am I four? I think well, so. I, I think your number is always a product of my number because it's one less, but I've also forgotten. <laughs> it's a I think I, <laughs> yeah. What does that like even a, mean? Like a spawn, if you like. But <laughs> I think I'm I only, five. I've only ever been because of you. No, <laughs> I'm five, I think. Yeah, I must yeah. be five. And so that Steve, must make me four. Steve's up 5-4 in the Glastonbury. He, he, yeah, he went. We've, all, we've both been to the last four in a row have existed obviously but he went to up to monkeys in 2013 snuck, snuck in a sneaky 2013 yeah because not a bad, that, i've never not a bad, seen but sparksy i was gonna say actually sparksy you're not allowed to go to glastonbury are you you're not allowed because you've got too much um strongbow dart fruits running for your blood so <laughs> basically it's like you know the dogs on the door which you rarely get they're actually Wait, there. Which dogs on the door? Yeah, yeah I, I'm, well, I'm well aware of the dogs. They're mate. there. They're there to, the festival, yeah. They're there to sniff out the dark fruits. <laughs> what kind so of dogs? You can't go. You're talking Alsatian, Rottweiler, what kind yeah, of dogs? Yeah, yeah. Like Alsatians. Alsatians, all right. So I'm going to be greeted by Alsatians once I rock up to Glastonbury. Is that, is oh, that they, are, <laughs> they are occasionally there, the, the Alsatians. Right, you so and your four, your four Glastonbury perch trying to sniff out the dark fruits there, trying to get on top of them. I'm, um, I, I am allowed to go to Glastonbury. I haven't attended uh, as of yet, but I, I'd love to go. I had a ticket for last year. I had to give it back because of a family holiday that me, uh, my mum booked. That didn't happen, so I was stuck on the sofa watching, uh, watching all the great TV performances as I do uh, well every year. Get, talking of TV performances, it's been on all weekend. Uh, dear listener, we are recording at uh, 20 past midnight uh, on, uh, well, now Sunday, uh, whatever it is of June. And uh, Glastonbury's <laughs> been on the telly box all weekend. And we've been, uh, we've been consuming, watching, singing along to all our favourite classic TV performances. Uh, Matt, what, which ones have stuck out for you? Which one have you, you know, been, uh, I'm not going to lie to you. I hope that my employers aren't, aren't watching or listening to this. Um, I don't know how they're watching. They won't be watching it. It's a Sunday at 12.30 in the morning record. So we've all had a few berries, <laughs> shall we say. don't know why you I'm saying cherries. I've, I've moved from Rosé. I'm on the Brosé. I've been on the Brosé tonight, guys. We've had a few scoops. and we're getting, had, What are you calling that? The what? The Brosé. Like, What's the that ro- uh, Rosé. Fuck but for bros. 
the brose. Oh, so I had yeah. some brose. Right, you tell um, you've been, you tell you've been Glastonbury four times the way you're acting. Yeah, then I <laughs> then I had some <laughs> beer, and then now I'm on the the supersonics. So there, I've, I've pulled it back. You, yeah, you pulled it back. Gin and tonic. Good. Um, so on Friday, I was supposed to be working. I was working actually, but I genuinely sat in front of the TV all day with. I don't know, I had Idols, Michael Kiwanuka, I had Brian Wilson, 2005, Arctic Monkeys, which I was quite disappointed that it was only a 40-minute version. I know you saw that as well for, on Friday, Sparky. Yeah, Lana Del Rey. Yeah. Um, even, like, with the family as well, both nights. Like, I was watching Adele earlier. Like, not that bothered by that, but it was in, you know, in a, it's still an family. event. And the family all there, and they're watching it. Giving, Adele's giving her a little, oh, what, darling? You know, it's a laugh, isn't it? I saw that she tonight was watching herself back as well. She was insta live in in her own living room, going mental on her own performance, That's which I quite rate actually. Yeah, yeah. you Matt, Matt, you said that Idols one. Obviously, as uh, one of on your list that. of memorable performances, that that on TV for a park stage performance as well. Obviously, it's not one mm. one of the bigger stages. He knows all. He knows his stages. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, I mean, watch on telly every year. I mean, big telly, uh, sitting, letting you the let the professionals go to the actual gig, but that, that looked. That looked ridiculous. Yeah, that was good. They were a. Uh, I feel like that was a bit of a moment in time one for them because they were just at that real inflection. I think second album, everyone had loved it. There was a lot of anticipation. It was it was really packed. I remember as well, and I think that they played to it as well because I, I think they always make a statement when they play. But I remember it almost became like. I mean, what is going to be your like social political topic between each song? It was almost like a bingo. It's like, yeah. it's like track one, it'll go NHS. Track two, it'll go female rights. And like, it would like, which obviously is brilliant that he was bringing all of that to the mainstream. But like, I feel like they use that platform to really sort of drive their, uh, their funny. position as well. And that's Act that the was... festival, it doesn't feel that weird or out of place. It just feels like completely consumed in the moment. Everyone there has got the same beliefs. But when you watch it back, I do think it is, a, you notice it a lot more, those sort of political statements, especially with everything, Twitter being so polarised today and everything. Definitely... It's probably more impactful like on a TV because yeah. I think it's when you're there, Everything goes, doesn't it? This is the thing. It's like yeah. anyone can get up and honestly say anything and people will cheer. Like it, That's not to like denigrate any of the messages that are said. But honestly, someone could say something ridiculous and people are just having a good time. So I suppose you do focus on it a bit more when you're watching it. But, but I mean, the Idols set was amazing because they're, I mean, they're also nutters. Like the fellow who's wearing the boxer shorts, I can't remember. I don't know. I can't remember his name. <laughs> guitarist, but it's incredible. Like... Having a great I think apparently Slowtie did that first, or has done that. I don't know if he's done that first. He is a boxer shorts guy as well. He's got his own brand of boxer shorts. I saw as well. Yeah, yeah. What about you, you, uh, you've not. What, you've do not you perform been. in your boxer shorts? <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking about the Thanks performances that you've seen on telly that you wish you were at. Um, there's one that springs to mind that's quite close to me, which was the Verb in 2008. And the reason I want to speak about this one is because. It, it came at a time where obviously the Verve weren't at there. It, it wasn't proper Verve time. They just released a fourth album after uh, releasing the last one in 1997. And it sort of felt like a now or never headliner slot. It, it felt like one that had to be done as quickly as the album came out. I don't think they could have come and come back and did it in 2010 or 2011. The album had just come out uh, and it wasn't a, a very big set. I think it may be 12 or 13 songs. Um, what slightly annoyed me about the set, as good as it was, that they ended on Love Is Noise as opposed to Bittersweet Symphony and uh, Love Is Noise was their main single off the new album. And I just thought that you've, 
you've curated such a great thing in Urban Hymns and you've not ended on Bittersweet Symphony on the one chance that you've got you to, to, to play Glastonbury. But it, regardless, it was an amazing set to watch. Um, yes. Just stuff like the lighting and the colour schemes for, for the songs and how dark they can get. Um, I need to check out that set. I don't think I've seen it. Yeah, R- Richard Ashcroft's wearing a naughty pair of sunglasses during, um, and, a, and, a, and an even naughtier pair of bootcut jeans, which only you know like a mid nineties Britpop band could could pull off. But that that to me was quite quite close because I I really like the Verve and I never got to see them when they you know I was a bit too young. But um, what so because you guys have been to Glastonbury so many times together yeah. coll- collectively, what I <laughs> your- keep saying it. Yeah, I'm I'm rubbing it in for myself here. What are your collectively? Have you got like a a, a gig you were at together that that you? I know that look, if we get look, if we go into our top three, I think that's fine. But I, there's one gig that will probably come up in both of our top threes. Um, so we'll just get that out of the way first, which is which is definitely Radiohead in 2017, oh, yeah. which is the near perfect like festival headline slot and do you know what's funny as well because i was watching radiohead i don't know if you've seen on on the iplayer this weekend that they've their their 97 i think it was um show was on and obviously that is pre think albums like kid a and in rainbows and moonshake mm. pool obviously yeah and so you're missing you know half a band's career and it's but it's an amazing set because you know you still got like most of okay computer in the bed and said I'm, lo- I'm looking you- at yeah i'm looking at the set now 25 songs Absolutely massive for Glastonbury headline set. Yeah. That set ending on Creep and Karma Police as the, the last two songs. As they ended. They ended quite similarly with like that. The older stuff. So in 2017 again, yeah, they ended with that. Those older songs, but it was like just this perfect set. I think moving through all the best songs of all the best albums. When you've got that many albums and yeah. that much to choose from. It's hard, it's, it's hard to construct the perfect set, really, isn't it? I mean, this is maybe something like a clan like Arctic Monkeys could struggle with in the future. Not, not necessarily struggle with, because it's like an embarrassment of riches, but where yeah, you've exactly. got, they've got Tranquility Base now, and say they did get asked to do Glastonbury in like 2022, 2023 maybe, you know, they'd come back and go, well, we've got to knock a few out because we've got to have a bit of Tranquility in there or something like that. So yeah, exactly. it's, it's a great problem for like... It is a problem, have. yeah. The Radiohead, like, no, I mean, I'm not, a, I'm not technical musically and as i guess none of us are that much but when i watched it the other day i was listening to they play tracks like idiotech and lotus flower and it's pretty hard to believe that they can factor that into the same set that they're putting in other tracks like karma police and creep and not not just because like oh because they're different styles but like <laughs> they played idiotech i didn't really know what anyone was playing in it like it's full of like um electronica noises that are being like made on machines that i don't know what they are and like it's just such like a diverse performance and i think some of that like some of it landed better than others as well if i was being a bit critical like watching it back and i give them that because it's so hard like i, I did remember thinking that about like idiotech which actually happens to be probably like my favorite song of theirs and it probably like it wasn't like oh my god what a moment but it's just so complex and the fact that they managed to like still build that in with relative success around all the other massive hits is, is pretty amazing and- I think no surprises for me that day. The emotion in that, like, just I've really felt that song, and it's an incredible song live. It's an it's a great album track as well. But mm. what a song that was live! The other thing that sticks with me just on Radiohead is that uh, the, their last album has had really mixed reviews. But they opened with Daydreaming, which is such a good opener. I think I the thought. first three songs were all off Moonshape Pool, from to memory, right? Maybe. 
Um, I don't know if they played Lucky really early, but so, yeah. So Lucky was after Daydreaming, then it was Full Stop. Was soft, it? Yeah. It's off the, that's off the last album, isn't it? Full Stop. Daydream is a brilliant opener, though. Yeah. Really and then, good. But like, what, what, a, what a sort of the opening, like 16, 17 tracks. You've got Airbag, you've got 15 Step, Let Down, Idiotech, Body Snatchers. It's just you like. Just, it's just this sweet shop of like taking the best of yeah. all your albums. Isn't nail, it? nail on head with a sweet shop. Like, it, it, it really yeah. is. It's just like they've, they've gone in and just picked I mean they could have picked like four or five different songs and left those out and they'd probably still be amazing picks that's that's the thing with Radiohead but I mean I'd love to be like be a fly on the wall on the set list discussion of, yeah. like this is the biggest possibly the biggest moment of our career to date what 25 pieces of material out of you could say with Radiohead 100 plus are we going to put to that crowd yeah and, and like, I mean so you, you sorry to uh, sorry to interrupt you, you came on to that bit about like playing idiotech You've got to remember, like Glastonbury. Well, I don't need to tell you guys this, but the size of that crowd of the Pyramid Stage, all open air, to recreate that on the Pyramid mm. Stage and and feed it through all the way back past the two delay towers is just like it's mesmerising. It's just a testament mm. to their ability and how good Johnny Greenwood is a guitarist. You know, Phil Selway has probably been the star of Radiohead in the later albums, with him having a lot more to do on drums than just standard beats and stuff. So, I mean. I would have loved to have been there. Very, very. When you said about, it's funny you said about how you choose that set list. Gary Powell has changed my whole perception (laughs) of this process. Ah, yes. Because I've always assumed that Tom is going. Here we go. But it's Phil Selway. He's coming in and going. This is this is what the set list. That's the drama through every set list. Yeah. No. Um. That's. uh, Is it uh, Matt Helders in the monkey? I mean, I mean, I, I, I mean, if it is held, it's going to be a good. It could set. be Cook. I've, know, heard, I've heard things about Jamie Cook being a bit of a musical mastermind behind the band at times. He knows his onions, doesn't he? Let's be he honest. Does, apparently so. That's what I've heard. But, but that yeah, is a reference to our last podcast, Gary Powell from the Libertines, which has been, um, I mean, to us two uh, and three, even like really well received. Thanks for listening to it. If you haven't, it was our last podcast where we chatted to him about up the bracket. But he revealed on that podcast that he does the set list for the Libertines. And, you know, puts it up in the dressing room before for everyone to see. And I didn't know that. And I'm quite a big Libertines fan. And I found it, like, really interesting to That's know nice that Gary, Gary has the, the final say, the, the, the judge's hammer to the wooden box on the set list. It's amazing. <laughs> I, loved, I loved when he was talking about uh, how he talks to Pete about it as well. Because he was so chilled about it. He was like, normally Pete's like, cool, we'll go for it. But sometimes <laughs> he'll just be like, I'm absolutely not playing that song. Get <laughs> it out. And then Gary's like, you know when is right to lean in and lean out. I thought that was hilarious. I agree. Talking of other podcasts then, Stephen, you, you know, you're not just a, a contributor to this show occasionally. You also listen to some of the, the episodes. What did you think of Gary? What did you think of Phil Effridge, who we also had on from the Twang? Yeah, my main thought was that no one is going to want to listen to me coming on to the next one because the uh, the, the quality of uh, the uh, they're not there's no one history of so. yeah there you go the history of guests is is it getting increasingly interesting which is amazing but I thought they were both great so uh, so insightful like every one of these that you're doing I think you had it with like John Dawkins it's like a little bit of a look behind the curtain isn't it? and it, and there's a lot of things that you just you kind of don't realize happen i think it's not even like you wonder like how does it work you're like i think even gary powell when he was talking about how the libertines came together was quite fascinating like i think Mm. especially a band like that like that have got such cultural significance you kind of assume that like they just knew each other or somehow like they were all just mates and then it went from there but you know you hear about like the way they came together and obviously manager banny 
yeah and this idea of like them being pretty rogue and gary being really solid and actually that combination of the two was almost like the perfect cocktail because he kind of took them in and said look this is a bit of a driving force but then he let them flourish and just all of that stuff was fascinating i loved it it's it's funny you say that because like you we can't like these this information is probably in a book about the band somewhere but it you can't read every book on every band so this is yeah. why i'm getting these people on the podcast like i i want to like expand my music knowledge as far as possible and, and just know about as much as every band that i like but it's difficult because these these things are hidden away in like old magazine articles that aren't online anymore and old interviews that are done by like some really good independent media outlets like but with gary yeah like look behind the curtain is how you you probably phrase it and, and like with phil as well this um the content about literally every record label knocking on their door going we'll offer you this we'll offer you that at, at that age with only like one record in the bag the pressure must be immense <laughs> You're still out there, everybody. Matt, you were speaking about Radiohead. What's the, what's the next in your top three? Who, who have we got? Well, I'm not going to be completely conventional and say a top three because I want to na- name someone that I, can, I think is just last year uh, in the sunshine, just completely like encapsulates Glastonbury in one act because I was watching it again on Catch Up the other day as well. And like last year was the perfect way where it was my favorite of all the Glastonbury's. Mac DeMarco, 4 p.m., the other stage. Do you know what? A bit of controversy, I think my mates were watching Fontaine's, um, which I did see Fontaine's that weekend. So in my defense, I saw them at 3 a.m. in like the, on the park somewhere, which was amazing. So no, no issues. I've not missed them. But I didn't want to miss Matt DeMarco because I love Matt DeMarco. And I'm not saying that he was like the greatest performance of all time, but in the sunshine with some beers, I was with my mate Dono. It was an amazing set. It's, actually, Matt DeMarco is perfect for Glastonbury, that kind of that type of music. You know what I mean? Those sort of soft melodies. Um, yeah, just a lovely gig. And then another one, the Libertines, as we mentioned when we were talking to Gary. I was there when they came back and did Glastonbury 2015 it was a bit of a secret set that was a surprise set yeah Yeah, I remember yeah I remember I was with you obviously Steve and and, um, I think at the time I was really bigging it up going this is going to be amazing and yeah I was like it's so exciting when they landed and just the chemistry between those two at any gig you know especially I feel like when you're in a crowd and you're watching a band that you're a bit more your band and you're in a crowd with lots of people that like a festival crowd where they're not necessarily fans you want them to do so much better so mm. when it's like you're these are my boys yeah. it's like your football team you're like in the away end or something like that they're trying to sell it yeah yeah absolutely yeah and you're just like yeah i'm getting fucking up for this and you just love it more than anything when you're surrounded by like if i'm at a libertines gig i almost don't sometimes like it as much as i do in a glasto when i'm there i'm their representation in the crowd i love a buzz off that so yeah. I, my overriding memory of that is um yeah, there was loads of anticipation and they're like, they're such a good secret set kind of band, I think. It fits with their whole demeanour. And I just, I don't know why I remember this, but, and he probably does, Sparks, you know better than me because you've seen him loads, but 
Uh, he probably does it all the time, but it's just Pete Doherty coming out with two um, bottles of beer, probably Stellas, and just giving it the Formula One on both of them, coming out of Glastonbury. They're just going everywhere, like all over the front. I really remember that. I'm thinking, brilliant. That, that, yeah, I think that's like a staple. Like, I mean, I think um, when me and Matt went to him in Brixton in 2016, Carl, that might have been the gig where Carl chucked the guitar in the crowd. Um, I've been at the Ali Pali with Libertines before where Pete's drop, drop kicked a can of Guinness uh, into the crowd and it didn't, didn't far miss my head, to be fair. I, I would have taken that, to be fair. That would have been like a collector's item. Yeah, but yeah, yeah the, the, on your forehead. You're, you're right, like the Libertines as a... Si- wow. That's, that's, that's violence you know but libertines 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 yeah a set a secret set Steve you said like they're the perfect secret set band they're not quite uh, I don't mean this disrespectfully anyway but if you put them as headliners headline, head, not headliners I mean they've headlined all the big festivals but we, when it's Glastonbury we always like expect that like next level headliner and to be fair like the, the organisers always pull out that next level headliner pretty much every year um, which some will come on to later like comparing like different different sets but as a secret set. I mean, I, I think they could easily do Pyramid Stage before Headliner. Like, they're, they're so big. And the crowd will just know most of their songs because most that of That was the slot, I think. The sub, wasn't it? It was sub. the sub. It was the sub. Steve, what about you? What's your, you know, overriding memories of the festival? You know, a five-timer. Five times. Five times. Five well, times. I've got... They're six now, aren't they? Six. Well, yeah. Uh, well, yeah. yeah. How can you forget? <laughs> well, they... they you know, a few of them remind you every day. Easily, mate. Steve, get real them well, up. Well, I've got um, I've got a list here of things that, or acts or moments that were amazing. And Matt's already covered a couple of them with Radiohead and the Libertines, no doubt. There's a few others that I would just pull out. And I actually think they're ones that maybe that he didn't go to. Uh, Fontaine's last year, which is like the exact opposite of Matt DeMarco, was a real coming of age so there moment. there we go. That, We've we've both picked moments from the same time. (laughs) Which is unbelievable. But that was an amazing sort of coming of age. There's a lot of hype and they put on a really good show. And then there's a couple um, from 2013, actually, which is my first time. And I I could obviously talk for ages about Arts Monkeys headlining, but that would be, I'll I'll skip that because everyone knows what I'll say about that. But what was cool on that day is that Miles Kane played in the afternoon. And back then I was probably a bigger fan maybe than now. But Alex Turner came out and did the standing next to me as the last track at the end. Yeah, and it just really sticks with me because it was such a moment. Like you think of those things as that like classic Glastonbury. Yeah. And like we'd have probably seen Miles Kane at that time loads of times. You always think, oh, maybe it could happen, maybe it come out. And it never would. And like it did. And I remember it just going off and people were like, this is amazing. Oh my so God, I wish I was there right now. <laughs> Yeah, that was an incredible moment, to be fair, because that was the day of them headlining as well. It was a few hours before, sort of like a good kind of warm-up. So that was great. And then the other one that I would call out um, was also from that year, was the Rolling Stones. And again, I know it's a bit cliche, but I think that they're the best example I've seen of proper legends doing it right. And I think we've seen a few, and like probably a few mixed reviews when it comes to bands like the who who i think split opinion a little bit but the rolling stones were just unbelievable like they were like watching a band in their complete peak like you didn't watch it and think it felt like a load of 70 year old blokes like mick jagger's knocking about like he's in his prime yeah i just honestly i thought it was unbelievable so often like you take that stigma of like you know they you know they're past it or past their pomp but it just felt totally like they were in their prime and it, that was a really amazing set yeah. i think like i mean because it was this this year was supposed to be the 50th was it next year is the 50th sorry 
No, this year, this year was going to be the 50th. This obviously. year was going to be the 50th. And yeah. So you'd say the Rolling Stones are in that slight, very small phone box of like legends who could, I mean, everyone hypes about, the, you know, the 50th or who's going to be the big three for like the, that, that special anniversary. You put the Rolling Stones in contention, that kind of level, just such a phenomenon in their day and bringing them 40 years, 50 years forward to create like a similar performance to what they would have done in the seventies. It's just like, it's ridiculous. Like I remember watching that set and just, just like you say, Steve, like how can a man that age produce that much charisma and that much showmanship when, you know, his physical power shouldn't even be, be capable of yeah. that, capable of that. If I was to quick fire you three other great moments, I would say Richard Hawley, 2016, New Order, 2016, Chemical Brothers, 2019. They're three from slightly oh, different Richard spectrums Hawley. that, was that great. Were, were really amazing. Richard Hawley as a Saturday night, amazing. So they're, they're other ones that stick with me. Yeah. Oh, I'd love to see Richard New, or, New Order, 2016. I think New Order was amazing. I, I was so, looking at that set list. It was like, was it Tempta- I think t- Temptation into True Faith? Or maybe... They maybe play World in Motion because it was a Euros year. I don't know. I can't remember. Of course, 2016. Mm, I don't think I they did, remember. but they'd missed a trick if they didn't. I thought John Barnes definitely wasn't I was expecting there. I John Barnes to come out. <laughs> In terms of, you've given top threes there, lads. In terms of... if I've I, given I, a top okay. seven there, sorry. Top seven. <laughs> right, let's, let's hypothet- hypothetically put it out there. I'm Emily Evers. Emily Evelis. I'm Emily Evis, and I'm coming to you. I've got a carte blanche, blank check for Glastonbury mm. this year. Matt, who's, who's, who's your three? Who's your top three? Emily goes to you. You can have any three bands that you like, little you mon- like. Monsieur oh. Maynard. Who's your one on the pyramid? Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Do you know what? Funnily enough, I went to a festival once and it wasn't even Glastonbury and I was um, 17 years old and they included two of the bands I'm about to mention. So what a festival that must have been. This was Reading Festival in 2009 and it included Arctic Monkeys and Radiohead. Yeah. Two of my favourite bands in the world. So I would definitely have those two. But my final choice for me, personally... A bit, bit of controversy brewing here. I'm going to say... Tension brewing. Michael Kiwanuka is my Head, third ooh, choice. Headline. Absolutely. That's headline. where I'm going. That, that is where I'm going to go with my final headline act. That is... Headline. Absolutely. Three, three incredible albums. Something I was fact-checked on earlier that didn't quite make the pod was that I was making a claim that um, a couple of bands had only made um, headline appearances with two albums. Apparently, there's a few more than just two, but there's, it's very rare that a band headlines Glastonbury with two albums. He's got three, though, and there has been bands that have done it with two. He's got three brilliant albums. That would be my third choice. But yeah, Arctic Monkey, obviously, Radiohead, Say No More. All right, so that was mine, Sparky. What about you? As a man that's never been... But let's say we're trying to get you there next year. They're going to let you in with your dark fruits on the door. They won't be searching. <laughs> the, the Alsatians are going to give you a pass. What, what are the free headliners ever going to get you in? Um, well, I think Muse and Coldplay would really <laughs> light the pyramid stage up. You know, it's such great performers. And no, I'm joking. Um, I, I, I'm not having any of that. Uh, you, you go arts your monkeys. You go arts your monkeys every time uh, because it would unite the pyramid stage. Well, right, I've said that. Everyone so... knows the songs. Yep. Can I can I have them as well? Is that is that in the rule? Yeah, they're that good. That's fine. They're that get, good. Get a new rule book. Um, do you know what they played? Uh, I think the other stage would be the Clash with the Saturday headlining last year's 2019. I think Chemical Brothers would be a shout on the Sunday. Um, they headlined yeah. in 2000, and 
not so not so much because the whole of the pyramid stage would know, but if they played the pyramid stage tomorrow, oh, I'd love to see him play pe- People would know about them after that performance. I would love and, to see and I, I think that they've got three exceptional albums, great consistency, and you want a show to really close the festival off. I'd go Chemical Brothers. So, I, I want this third one would be not controversial. I don't think it would be everyone's cup of tea, but I think Noel. Oh yeah, has got the presence to do a headline no, no. slot, and I, I'd say the same about Liam. I don't know if any any of them have got the pizzazz to do it, but I, they've both got the presence, which is what I think you need. Well, Liam did play, didn't he last year? And he Liam did. did Liam did pyramid sub headlining, right? Uh, uh, lower than sub, one lower than sub, I think. Okay, so maybe he was okay. Seven p.m. Third. Okay, so like, it can no headline. I think he's the this ultimate is- in between the sub and headliner. And he's just—I don't know if he's—if he's quite there. Yeah, I, I kind of agree. I love Noel. I love Noel, but don't know that he's a headliner. I think I probably put him as other headliner. That, well, that's yeah. I think that's a better slot. It's—it's it's always what someone I thought about. Like, could he do it? I mean, it, it depends. Think of the songs he could include. I mean, hey, he's written. It doesn't just—I mean, like, I think there's plenty of alternative music that we would love and we would love to see on that headline slot. But you do have to appeal to the masses, and there's two hundred thousand people at Glastonbury. You need to at least be able to command up a hundred thousand of them on that pyramid stage, and people yep. to know all your songs. I don't know. Does Noel? I think there's hundred thousand people who wouldn't know no one Noel Gallagher song. Do you dress it up yeah. as Noel Gallagher or do you have it as the high flying birds? I think personally you go Noel as just a, a solo entity, but that's something he's never recorded as. So you can't really, you know, you can't. Yeah. Really do I, th- I think it's hard. I think th- there's I, not I, a lot of songs. I think, I mean, the last time off the top of my head, I did it blur in 2009. I think blur are one of the ultimate festival headliners. Oh yeah. That they're, oh they're, yeah. They're best. <laughs> Their best singles are so feel good. Oh, yeah. You talk about tender till the end, and I watched the the one earlier on the, the Glastonbury same. Watch yeah, yeah, where same. Damon Albarn goes down to the front and he gets his mic stuck wrapped around yeah. him, and that, and that the, one of the roadies has to fucking yeah, unravel yeah, yeah. it as he's going along. And I just think when you watch a blur, a headline blur set, and I've seen them twice in Hyde Park, it's just there's a real emotional and sort of like energy that everyone's together blur so oh. I, I'd, I'd maybe put blur above no so if if it was arctic monkeys blur chemical brothers i'm there for that i'm buying we, for next just year as a, as a group discussion are we slightly worried that a lot of our headliners are a little bit old or at least like past their 20s like i don't mean Who, us personally i just mean when you look at a glastonbury headliner it was great um, it was it was quite refreshing to see stormzy last year who was like 24 when you headline but people like blur they were in their heyday in the 90s and they're headlining again in like the noise you're thinking you're like 38 40 yeah. you're a middle-aged man it did watching? feel very refreshing to have stormzy i also um thought one of the most surprising sorry i shouldn't say surprising but just unexpectedly brilliant sets i went to was Florence and I think the reason it was unexpectedly brilliant was because she was a a replacement and it's Mm. not anything to do with her back back catalogue but she always um, was going into that role being positioned as like well the second choice and she was absolutely amazing that was Mm. one of the best sets I reckon remember but that is another person I feel like captured them at their kind of peak and almost on that upward trajectory and yet I completely agree I think you're absolutely right you have to strike that balance because you you otherwise you end up with like a, a geriatrics list which is is not like particularly inspiring for anyone I think that it's so funny like 
where though is the line of that person is ready i think the reality is right no one will ever consider someone to be ready until they look at it retrospectively it's always with hindsight that you go that was amazing that happened but at the moment of the announcement it will always be "Mm, i don't know it's only two albums or it's like an alternative style but time is the best is the best sort of decider on those ones like people look at like think of all the controversies of glastonbury lineups in the past jay-z the jay-z's and the funny thing is jay-z was the thing that broke america glastonbury only became a big hit stateside because they had jay-z and then you had beyonce following and then kanye west and like we're going to have all of all of those sets are revered and i think what it tells you is you really need to apply some bravery when it comes to who you're putting in there and yeah that might be younger people it might be uh it might be um more um diverse groups that haven't particularly uh, played it before but history proves that it's typically i think is the right thing to do do you think that glastonbury has that responsibility you talk about bravery there oh it does maybe glastonbury putting someone on the headline bill is more effective than people actually knowing about the band at all so i mean i feel like the uk festival circuit is fast running out of headliners anyway Mm. but with glastonbury people expect that next level someone from america you know like if you're talking like a jay-z or a madonna you can go down that route or you can actually stick your neck out and go or emily emily evis can go i think they're good enough and it doesn't matter if the, if, the, if the world of music doesn't think they're good enough because if, I, if they're going to headline yeah. Glastonbury, then their reputation changes for that whole... Yeah, that exactly. whole of the next you're year. right. They're the kingmakers. It's exactly what you say. If they yeah. say... They, they hold band, the crown, right? Yeah. Yeah, if they say a band is good enough to headline, then that, um, that moment, they are immediately big enough to headline anyway. So if you take, a couple, of, of what you take a couple of bands around at the moment, let's take, for example, Foles. Take Foles. Yeah, Foles come to mind. Are they that... Right, with their pyramid they're headlining other or sub pyramid stage level now, right? Is anyone They've, in the setup going, yeah, Foles can headline. I think there's always been doubts about Foles. I think I say doubts. It's, it's credit to them that they've got to that level where they're being talked oh, about yeah. for being Absol- headlining. Ab- level. Absolutely. Yeah. But it's, I don't know. They've, they've released this album this year, which has been, you know, successful. The, the, the two uh, phased album, but again, it's not an AM from like Arctic Monkeys. But it's then not- that's the thing. Are we comparing it to such high standards with an Arctic Monkeys who are just the biggest British band of the millennium of this century? Yeah. Sorry. Or, 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 or does, does a 1975 happen and change the whole dynamic where we, where we we go just, a bit like, oh, really? We like, would be like that. We'd be like, fuck this. But that could I bring a whole new crowd to, crowd to the festival. Could. And you know, they probably yeah. don't mind that. I think yeah, but, you could see that. It was interesting that you said, though, Sparksy as well, like you don't see this hotbed of uh, headliners coming forward, but Glastonbury decide that. So I think that oh, the reason that, that point. Yeah, yeah. The reason you don't see it is because we're used to seeing The Who like all the time and like Paul McCartney's. Yeah. And so I think that to they, what we're all, I think, agreeing on is that they hold the keys and like they have a huge responsibility to put those people in there. Because I don't blame you, I'm the same as you. Like, who, who does come next? Well, that's really also what they need to take a responsibility yeah. for for deciding as well. So Which is really why I important. say someone like Michael Kiwanuka, because like I think that you know, or maybe it is it's too soon next year, probably, but I'm just saying, envisaging down the line, someone that I love that I think is, is good enough probably it's a bit weird if you go from 
you know, third up on the park stage or on, on a Friday to the next year headlining the festival, obviously. But what I mean is yeah. they do have the ability to be kingmakers. To, 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 to make a name become a superstar, yeah. Yeah, and group. I think people buy into that. And yeah. they don't but have it, to revisit but it's, it's only gla- who it's, are 40. It's only Glastonbury that can do that. There's no other festival yeah, it's true. That, 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 that does that. If it was a Reading or anything like that, if you put a name like that up there, they, they everyone would go, sales. well, I'm not going to go this year. If it's a Glastonbury yeah. going, okay. Everyone still goes. Okay, yeah. But that, mm. that's, that's the point I was going to make. Like, even, even if there was a, a name that we wouldn't maybe consider to be Glastonbury level headline, I mean, I say we, I'm not dragging myself into that. You, you, you two would still go because there'd be 20, 30 other bands you want to go and see there. So. Oh, you know that there's going to be a full lineup, a full, like everyone there. And, and it's the classic cliche as well of Glastonbury. It's not all about the music and that's so true. It's the atmosphere. It's the, the best place in the world to be. I mean, I've been listening to Six Music as well in the day on, on the Thursday and like it was just like filled with all like live performances and just interviews with people that go and like Emily Evis and all the DJs. You can just hear by the enthusiasm of the DJs, like people like Sean Keaveney, Lauren Laverne, um, Marianne Hobbs. They, they just fucking love it. And these aren't like, I don't know. They're not these really like liberal elite middle-class people either. And I don't, I know Glastonbury can have that reputation, but I don't think it is that entirely. I think, uh, you know, there's a lot of level-headed people there as well. It's just an amazing place to be, which is why, Will, you should go. Um, Yeah, I reckon, I mean, after this conversation, I reckon you've sold me. (laughs) (laughs) Two two standout bands from uh, Glastonbury Gone By. Idols, they've got some new music out. Given that a listen. I'm all about that. Uh, One, more notably, Fontaine's two new singles recently. I'm into them, massively into them. I mean, I'm into Fontaine's in general. Who couldn't be? But I'd, the two singles have come so soon. Uh, what do you guys think? I've been really interested to see that they're so consistently coming up with your guests as well. Um, yeah, that you're having so on, at, like uh, all like as soon as I always like waiting every time you ask one yeah. of your guests. Joe Carnell, Phil, yeah, both. I remember Dawkins, I think, as well. Oh, yeah, Fontaine's, I loved. Yeah, and it's uh, I've enjoyed seeing how universal that is. I think that both their new tracks I'm absolutely loving, to be honest. Like they uh, really interesting time, isn't it? Second album for a band that's really like had had a strong critical acclaim for the first one. It's always difficult, and they've come about it pretty quickly as well, right? It's only a year on, but um, yeah, there's something in. I just think they have like that um, that rawness about them, which they've not they've not really lost. But the new one, um, I don't belong, which is the new Fontaine's track. I think it's quite dark as well, and it's one of I think that starting to kind of go down that route a little bit for the first time. I'm not. I wouldn't say it's like a huge departure, but feels a bit um, a bit dark, a bit dingy, a bit raw, and I think that's quite exciting for them as well. And I'd be quite interested to see where that goes to with the album. It's a great teaser for the second album. I can't, I can't wait until that comes out. Um, I'm not too sure on the release date yet, but yeah, Idols, Idols have some new music out as well. Uh, yeah. Highly anticipated, great set last year at Glastonbury. Obviously, what do you think, Matt? So Grounds, yeah, and I think gr- it kind of leads me into a lot of the new releases. Grounds, um, classic idols. I, I don't know. I, you wonder when, if they wrote it specifically for, on this theme, but it kind of touches a lot of these themes of like the Black Lives Matter protest and equality and things like that. And um, 
a lot of the music that we're getting in the last couple of weeks is actually around those themes. So like Anderson Pack, um, her, and I know these are obviously black artists as well. So, you know, these, these are obviously causes very close to their art, but it's great idols as we were talking about earlier, very politically motivated. So fantastic that they're, you know, tackling these themes as well. Absolutely. Um, but like yeah. I say, there's, there's lots of music at this moment that's coming out and sort of tackling these issues, which is important. And, and that's what this sort of industry does so well. Um, we need and we need bands like Idols to tackle that because they've got the voice and but also they've got the, the real know how and the and the actual understanding of the matter going on. So yeah, I can't. I love Grounds, uh, Mr. Motivator, fantastic as well. The, the video they did to that one as well yeah. was um, had me in bits. So we're we're gonna head back to Worthy Farm. We're gonna head back to Glastonbury. I've got a little game for you two. A little game. Well, for us three, really, we've got a semi-final lined up. We've got two set. We've got two semi-finals lined up of. Glastonbury headline sets and I picked these at complete random and what oh, yeah. we're going to do is we're going to discuss which one we would like to progress to the final and once the Ooh. final happens then we decide a winner so, this so the is ultimate the Glastonbury set this is the ultimate Glastonbury well not set, I guess set of headliners yeah the uh, actual this has already existed as well to be yeah fair. so the first two that I've drawn out for you gentlemen to feast upon feast upon the carcass of musical meat and bones oh love it First of all, 2008, we've got Kings of Lee on Friday, Jay-Z Saturday, and The Verve on the Sunday. Oh, I like that. It's tasty. And who's come through from the quarterfinal? None other than 2004, Oasis, Paul McCartney, and Muse. Disgust. So our first matchup is Kings of Leon versus Oasis, uh, 2008 uh, versus 2004. So, yeah, the year year matters, right? Because... We're talking about peaks of careers and things like that. This is Kings of Leon. This is just after Sex on Fire. This they've had their first two albums are amazing. I, I think they're so that garage rock that I think, you know, a bit comparable to the strokes. They're on that real, you know, uprising level. And then they come out with this commercial record, um, is it only by the night? And yeah. it's it's yeah. an amazing pop rock record. And I think it's only after that that a lot of their fans maybe start to question it and they go downhill and a bit too mainstream. But that record, although it's a sellout, it's still a fucking great record. It's got Sex on Fire. Um, I saw Beyonce performing that on her show. She did a cover of that uh, whenever she headlined. So this is prime Kings of Leon. I don't think you could get a better year. And then we're talking away. Yeah, I'll step in and I'll... um, I think this this may lead to like the conclusion of the win, obviously, before Steve comes in, but... As much as it hurts me to say this, this was possibly Oasis's worst performance of all time, <laughs> um, and uh, and that sort of hurts because they 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 played in '94 um, when they were you know youthful and, and on on the scene and and you know properly affecting people's lives on a cultural level, which has been on the uh, box for everyone this week. Yeah, the classic Marks and Spencers navy with the white collar, um, you know, a real great look. A great look for all of them but with with oasis in 04 i'd say in terms of anticipation you're at the top of the mountain but performance level you're at base camp i think with with oasis here liam's uh, voice beyond, sh- not even base camp uh, before uh, Li- uh, base, base camp's quite high up liam's voice was shot to pieces you know they had they had toured heathen chemistry right to the end of 2003 which was the album uh before that they hadn't brought out don't believe the truth just yet and it was such a shame almost to see liam 
at what should have been the, the peak performance of his career, not, not get the notes out at all. He sounded a bit like a frog. I think Oasis's perfect headline time for Glastonbury would have been 1998. Um, Be Here yeah. Now would have completed their tour. Liam was untouchable vocally. Mm. And I mean untouchable, that Be Here Now tour, some of the, the, the notes he hits. But 2004, I think it came too late. And it, you know what? 2005 onwards for Oasis was a lot better. Liam's voice had recovered after a good two years out. Um, it's good, sorry, into 2006, a good two years out. But this was, if you watch it back, I, I really don't feel comfortable watching it at all. Right. Contrasting to that Kings of Leon set. And that's the thing. In this, in this game, I think the years matter so much. So I don't, I don't know how you feel, Steve, but I feel like a peak Oasis for peak Kings of Leon, not even a discussion. Obviously, we're always going to go Oasis, but we're actually talking about a peak Kings of Leon versus a have, really low-level Oasis. I've got one counter-argument, which is I think you can look at it as like a retrospective, and I think everything you've just said I agree with, but then I put myself in the shoes of Who someone like Glastonbury. And if it's a Friday night... And I've got Oasis, a headline at the end of the day. Yeah, I'm going to see Oasis and it's going to be amazing. And I don't think I'm sat there going, Liam's voice is shit. I'm just going, this is Oasis. I've had a few beers. It'll be amazing. So I think that, yeah. like, I do, I, everything you're saying, I agree with. But Oasis, baby, I, I agree. Friday night. But I feel get, like if there's going to be there. a fair comparison and criticism in this game, then it just becomes who's the best band. Because you will just fall into that trap otherwise. I guess this, this sort of does sit into like a TV versus being there argument. And my, I've got a couple of mates who are at this Oasis gig and, that, and to them, it was amazing. Like it was Oasis headlining Glastonbury. They're multiple beers and drugs, drugs down. Like, and it's Oasis yeah. on the Friday, right? But oh. for if, if yeah, anyone... That all day. Look, if you're going to yeah. say to me, Matt, who, you, who do you want to go right now? You go back to one of those gigs. Yeah, a hundred times over, I go to Oasis. <laughs> also, Oasis had fallen out of favour slightly at this point. I don't mean that, as in they weren't at the level that you know you'd. Ex- they're not at the level that we associate them as a band in general. You know, even Chemistry. Did yeah, overpay. you're right. I th- do you remember that that I time know. where Oasis weren't like yeah. revered? They, I they, do remember they, that they time. Still, they still sell stadiums and tours out, but I don't think they were the big thing at that they time. They weren't the legend. They became more of a legend later. And that was funny because they weren't releasing music. Exactly. But that's almost like that classic thing in football as well, isn't it? Where you don't play for a little while and your legend grows and you're, you're more valuable to the team. It's the same in music. Yeah. You stop Absolutely. and people will miss you for a while. Well, let's Perhaps. move on to two more legends of the... Or do we have to pick a winner? Oh, no. We'll no, I reckon then because of this, we'll have to do it as the total, the total yeah. weekend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's too difficult. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the next one is quite difficult because you've got Jay-Z on the Saturday of 08 and you've got Paul McCartney on the Saturday of 04. Discuss. I I think this is really interesting because we were going to see Macca this year and I was, you know, as we spoke about, I think, on one of our very early podcasts, I was really excited about seeing Paul McCartney. But at the same time, we both did, we all kind of, I think it was you, Will, that was saying like, yeah, but he's basically a geriatric old fuck, and you're going to be all dancing on to Hey Jude in the middle class. I didn't say that, but no, you didn't say he's a geriatric old fuck. That was one of our other mates, but you did, you did kind of take the piss out of the fact that we were all going to be like doing the hands for fucking Hey Jude, and you are right, yeah, it's going I to think, be weird. Yeah. But in 2004, at least the bloke could probably sing a bit better. Yeah, um, but Jay Z, I am quite into a lot of. Uh, American hip hop, but 
Jay Z's never been my exact cup of tea. Never been your but, glass of Kool Aid, Matthew. No, I, I, you know, I feel like I've been more into a lot of the later stuff, sort of very much into Kendrick Lamar and Anderson Pack and and sure. other stuff, but not massively Jay Z. But I still think that such an instrumental artist to the festival, as I was saying earlier, he Jay Z is what allowed Glastonbury. A real to, seat, a real, a real turning point in the festival. Yeah, a massive turning point for them to then start attracting big artists in America, and also just be a a point of, of the biggest festival in the world. The reason is that massively down to someone like Jay Z, and then Beyonce who followed shortly after as well. Okay, Steve Macca or Jay Z, where's your uh, where's your compass heading? This is why I think that looking at it as a weekend is so interesting because Oasis and Macca too much for me. I think it. Um, I, I'm going Jay-Z because I think it would just be, I, if I've gone to Oasis on a Friday night and everything that, that would have meant, I would love a Jay-Z. I think that would be absolutely perfect on the Saturday. So oh I my- think that looking at it as a full weekend is amazing. I've, I would love to see Jay-Z and Macca, but I think that Jay-Z is an amazing Saturday night headliner, full yeah. stop. Well, let's cap your weekend off, Steve, because we're going to cap your weekend off by a straight up shootout between the Verve and Muse. I don't care for Muse very much, and I love the verb. And actually, I've realised as we've gone on here that my decision is very easy. Yeah. But um, the verb, as you said earlier to me, will that they didn't quite they didn't finish on a track from Bittersweet Symphony from Urban, Urban Hymns. Sorry. Yeah. They didn't they didn't finish on a track from Urban Hymns, which is a shame. But I still yeah. think an amazing headliner. Yeah, I think Muse was more a selection for the time and a Verve, the Verve was a uh, selection to headline for the ages, really. I think that Urban Hymns always had needed that big airing, that huge festival headline slot. And I think that it's probably my favourite album of all time. And that's, I don't say that lightly, but it's an album incredibly close to me. And I think it's yeah, so consistent it's throughout. They played a good bulk of Urban Hymns in that set. And on, on a Sunday, you talk about the day, Steve, but like on a Sunday, the Verve, like, oh, it's just like, oh, like tap your Glastonbury weekend off. So let's have a vote. We're going 04, Kings of Leon, Jay-Z, uh, sorry, 08, Kings of Leon, Jay-Z and the Verve versus 04, Oasis, Macca and Muse. Where's, where's your chips going, Maynard? Which I'm way are you sliding 100% them? going 08. I would kill for a bit of Richard Ashcroft on a Sunday afternoon. Oh, yes. Jay-Z was, yeah, changed the game. And uh, who's Friday? And Pete Kings of Leon. I saw Pete Kings of Leon um, a year later. And I say peak. One year later made all the difference. They got, um, like, chucked off the Reading stage. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they, they were fine. But I'm not a massive Kings of Leon fan, but I, I love a bit of the, those first two albums are actually really good. And you know what? Yeah, the third album, a bit of a sellout, but but still, still decent, still decent, still listenable. Steve Carlo Pryor, where are your chips heading on the table? Oh, I, easy for all of the reasons said. Okay. I think the diversity of that lineup and the timing of the acts that played it is perfect. I think I'd go 08 as well. So that's that's a three nil. They're into the final, a comprehensive victory. We move on to our other semi final. I'm going to put two years of incredible consistency. I have a feeling who who will win this one. There are a couple of humdingers in this. The first one I'm going to go for is 2007. Arctic Monkeys on the Friday. And this is two album Arctic Monkeys. A young Alex Turner with a lovely haircut. And a Shirley Bassey uh, cover to boot. 
and it's Shirley, Shirley Bassey covered to boot. The Killers on the Saturday. So with the Killers, we're down uh, Hot Fuss and Samstown would have been out around that time as well. And on the Sunday, uh, massive Tory, Roger Daltrey fronting the hood. Um, so yeah, you go, Aussie Monkeys, well, kill as well. And then I'm, I get at the level to go with the who. Okay. Versus 2009. Now, 2009, Neil Young on the Friday, Bruce Springsteen on the Saturday, and Blur on the Sunday. Where are we heading, gents? I think that the 07 lineup is a really difficult one. And I think that as we've established, I would choose Arctic Monkeys as my first headliner over Glastonbury. But when they've done another one years later and it was so vastly superior, I think it really taints the original one. So I think that it was amazing to see them so young, two albums in, full of energy, but they were young. And like they became such a greater band at a later point. So that probably taints it. I actually dis- I disagree. And I know... I know it's coming from a good place. You're trying to be sort of balanced, but I, I think fucking Arctic Monkeys killed that headline set. I think they were unbelievable. I remember, I mean, obviously our age, we were so impressionable. They were our band, but fuck me. What the hell? I was so proud of them that day. And I was like, this is my band. They delivered that Shirley Bassey cover. They had two albums as, you know, we sort of discussed a bit, like, a bit earlier. There's not many bands that have only had two albums and headlined. I think they, that, that set was amazing. And it's harsh because we're going to be a really biased podcast where uh, sort of we know what music we like. Neil Young in 09. I, I, I couldn't tell you many of the songs that he played in that set. But I know where my loyalties lie and I'm going to vote for Arctic Monkeys on that one for sure. Okay, maybe the loyalties sway in the next one because that's the Killers. And 07 Killers versus Bruce Springsteen in 09. I watched one of these sets today. Uh, it was Bruce Springsteen, which my dad absolutely loves. and So I feel like there's a little bit of bias coming in within me. But I know that me and Steve have quite a few friends that are big Springsteen fans as well. And probably probably nice that we've never massively been swayed by, despite a lot of people telling us he's great. And I don't think it's because I don't respect him at all. I think that he is great. Maybe it's just something that I'm missing. But um, I get that he's an amazing live performer. And I think that having watched that set as well this weekend, I, I think that there's never... You, we, we were sort of talking about earlier about artists at their peak time, but with Bruce, there's not a peak time because any show that you see him from the last 20 years, he just yep. always will give you the absolute best. There, there was never a down day. He'll give, he, you a lo- he'll give you a very long set as well. The show, he'll give you a long set. He'll give you variation, you unpredictability. He is just a showman. And you've yep. got to give... Artists like him credit for that. Like, got to give them the more than lot, more yeah. than the people that maybe I love sometimes as well. He is an absolute performer. So, yeah, I I would go Bruce, but yeah, Stephen. I think Bruce is a. Uh, it's funny. I agree with everything Matt said. He's not so much uh, someone that I love, but I recognise the phenomenon that is Bruce Springsteen, and I think that just to be slightly like personal on it, I also work in New Jersey now. And people talk about this man like he is God, like in a way uh, that is 
it's it, quite unbelievable. Like people literally talk about him like he is the king. And there's something that I, uh, they, I think you then see that, like obviously that's a very localized thing, but then you see all of his gigs and I, the, the level of loyalty that people have to him and like they're just fierce, fierce supporters of him. And I say this because I think, not, not just because that in itself is great, but when you watch him live, I think, it, I, I haven't seen him live, but it strikes me that the experience of doing so is one where it's, overwhelming because everyone is there a huge proportion of people there are just obsessed with the man like he is a complete phenomenon to them um and it strikes me that like the, the crowds that he gathers and the gigs that he does without fail will be incredible so as someone who's not a initially a huge fan i just think it would be an amazing set to go and witness yeah, it's hard to comment on the killers, isn't it? Because I don't really. So we should, yeah. And just to jump in, we've balance, we've yeah. sort of not really added anything on the killers. It's kind of personal for, for us too because we both probably grew up in an age where the killers were so compared to a band that we love, the Monkeys, that they were such rivals. And I don't know, like songs like Mr. Brightside, I never considered to be like that deep down indie music that we loved. It was sort of. The, the, the irony is here that, that the killers would probably take so much inspiration from Springsteen um, oh, uh, probably, as, yeah. as well. And there's so, there's so much you can compare in their music. I think with the killers, I'd put them in that category of, I don't think any Glastonbury performance they ever play would be that disappointing. Um, I've seen them at Brixton. I've seen them at Hyde Park and, and I, I love going to see the killers. I think they've got such a strong back catalogue, but I think with Springsteen, you, you consider it more a Glastonbury moment. Because I think the killers, let's fast forward seven or eight years, the killers could be headlined again. They could do it again, and we wouldn't bat an eyelid because they'd still be at that level and of that stature to headline the festival. I'd probably go Springsteen as well. Now, the third matchup, which is The Who in 07 on the Sunday versus Blur on the Sunday in 09. I'll come in, and I think Blur are just vastly a superior band. Um, obviously, the Who aren't really of our generation. No pun intended. Hey. No pun intended whatsoever. Um, but I think Blur, I mentioned it earlier in the podcast, there's a real sense of emotion at a Blur gig. Songs like Till the End <laughs> and Tender. The, the emotion at a Blur gig, I've seen them twice, um, both, in, both in Hyde Park, and just a really, really lovely occasion to be part of. The Who... I've got reservations about the Hume, Roger Daltrey, uh, and some of the views he holds. Uh, yeah. I'm going to give balance on that because I know you too, Hayden. I'm going to give balance on the Who because um, I do think the Who are amazing. And I think that um, as a band at the time, like I look at, I look at them as in terms of like that era and they really encapsulated that movement at the time in the 60s. I saw well, them when they in 2015 and they were rubbish. Like and they were really poor. So I on, on experience here, alone, I'd go to Blur. I, I, I think Roger Dorch, like just, just the things he comes out with are just so stuck in the past and just said, said with also no thought from a man who obviously wrote music that meant a lot to working class communities when it came out. And I just... He believes that he represents the working class with his Brexit views though, doesn't he? Yeah, does. Well, I, you know, it's, it's not the case. I just don't really listen to anything they produce or he says anymore. So, but I'd always go Blur because I love Blur. So that I'm going uh, Blur because Blur, Blur are Blur, fucking brilliant. So. Blur win the match up for me there. Uh, so, first, our first, our first finalist, Kings of Leon, Jay Z, and the Verb in 08. Who they're going up against? I'm going to vote for 
2009 here. Neil Young, Bruce Springsteen and Blur. Probably because I've, I haven't seen Neil Young before. I like a lot of his stuff. And I'd like to go and see him. Bruce, Saturday, perfect. And then Blur. Always got right. time for a Blur gig. Against? That's my vote. Against the Arctic Monkeys, the Killers and the Who in 2007. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to agree with you, Sparks. You knock out one of my favourite... Well, your favourite band. You're, you're going to knock your favourite band, band one out. One of my favourite yeah. headline sets because... The other two, I mean, I know it's an all-encompassing thing, but I think that the all-round... I mean, obviously, if it was me choosing whether I'd go to any of these sets, I would go to the Arts... Just because of the Arts of Monkeys, I'd go to that. But okay. if I'm going to judge an all-round set, I'm going to not go for them this time. Can you give me the two? I've forgotten the first one again. <laughs> the, first, so... the first three is Arctic Monkeys, The Killers and The Who in 2007. And the next three are 2009's offering of Neil Young, Bruce Springsteen, and Blur. That is so tough. I'm probably I'm probably going to go with both of you. I'm going to go. I like the idea of Sunday Night Blur. It's really tipping me over the edge there. Yeah. So I'm okay. going to go with it. So that makes our final 2008 versus 2009. Who? How the fuck have they turned up twice <laughs> in a decade? Who's booking that? Is Evis has been like? Well, presumably Evis, su- yeah. Being blackmailed by Townsend. So that brings us to our final of 2008 versus 2009, which is, I'll run through them again. 2008, Kings of Leon on the Friday, Jay-Z on the Saturday, The Verve on Sunday, versus 2009, which is Neil Young on the Friday, Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band, we should say, on the Saturday, and Blur on the Sunday. It's the final, gents. The head to head. So we're going Kings of Leon, Neil Young. Yeah, it's a really tough on this, and I'm not going to. Sh- I'm not sure it's going to have that much impact on my voting. I'm. I'm kind of thinking about this as a bit of a bit of a tie in my voting. Um, a draw. Pro- I'd. I'd probably just edge it on Kings of Leon, but like a, the whole vote doesn't isn't based entirely on individual battles. So we'll see where I go later. But yeah. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going to be drawn on making a Friday call. Yeah, I don't need to. It's too hard. I can't separate them. But I know what comes next is going to yeah. influence me. <laughs> so what I'm comes? Sitting next, the, I'm sitting on the fence officially. What comes next is Jay Z versus Bruce Springsteen. Now that that's a battle. That's that is a head to head joust, isn't it? Just, I, I, don't love know, I, I love that. I love that. I know uh, you two haven't watched The Sopranos, have you? But um, one of the Bruce Springsteen band is one of the main characters in The Sopranos, which is a real swayer when it comes to, you know, picking your glass of your headline acts, I think. You know, when you're looking at, you're looking <laughs> on the screen or the stage, wherever you might be, and you see one of these sort of main characters from one of your favourite TV shows, it's it's quite influential. So I love Bruce for that. And like I say, I think Jay-Z, an incredible booking. Again, I'm, all I'm saying is that well, my, my, my balance is quite on the on the balance if you thought those two were tough this one literally rips me apart it's the verve on the sunday versus blur on the sunday yeah, and this is mental. this is this is what finals produce right this is this is the level we're talking if you if you're going to make a football analogy who was in the 2018 world cup final france croatia this is pogba versus modric this is wow. that was an easy win wasn't it this was this Blur versus The Verve, my favourite album of all time, versus pro- probably the most consistent band of the Britpop era. I, would, I can't yeah. pick. I cannot pick. I, I'd, I'd maybe edge The Verve 
because I think that was their only one and only chance to do it. Whereas I think you could get Blur in a couple of years and I think everyone would be pretty satisfied with that pick. I just edge of her, but my God, that's hard. That's so hard. You would. I think the Verve, you're right. I think that Urban Hymns is better than any album that Blover produced or written. Agreed. Yeah, just. But I don't think they've ever come close to anything like that. And I think Blur have on several occasions. So yeah. for a set list at a festival, I probably would maybe edge Blur. Yeah, Blur for me. Blur on a Sunday is just, that's perfect. Perfect, perfect isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, as a, I as need a, the three together. I can't. I can't do these head to heads. No. It's too difficult. For my we, head, we, we need. We need. We need to pick a weekend. We need to pick 08 or 09. Which one are we going for? Remind me again. Give me them. Give me the three again. <laughs> we'll we've all had. Out. We've all had a few. Uh, we're going 08. Kings of Leon, Jay Z, and the Verb versus 09. Neil Young, Bruce Springsteen, and Blur. You need to pick one to win the final, the Glastonbury final. Dear listener, I'm looking at Steve Pryor right now on Zoom and he is tearing himself apart at the prospects of picking one. Tearing Because I want to switch them. I've got to mix and match them. Give me you a pick and mix you, and I'll you pick you a great one. I'm not going to... Give me Jay-Z, Blur and, uh, and you are not, Neil Young. And you, are not, you are not getting any... Give me, give me them again. Give me the, tell, send me that dark fruit thing. You are not... You're not getting any strawberry laces or gobstoppers. Pick one now. Youngie... Youngie. <laughs> Youngie, is this BTS? Youngie. Imagine Neil Young's ever been referred to as Youngie. Like Youngie, a... Springo, and Spring... Blur. Blurro, yeah. Versus, versus, uh, versus the old Kingy, Kingy Kings of Leon. Uh, JZ and uh, Tricky Dickies Verve. I'm, I'm feeling 08 now. Because, do you know what it is? A fucking hell. I, I don't it's buy into Neil Young. Kings of Leon in the greatest ever Glastonbury. Advice. Yeah, but That's I'm not going to buy into Neil Young that much. I must. I must. I, I, like, must, Neil Young. I, must I like the idea of Neil Young, but I, I don't listen to him. These are four randomly picked out years, not necessarily. I'm sure there are other semi-finals going on other music be. podcasts yeah. at the this moment. This isn't the ultimate Glastonbury. I'm going to. I'm, I'm going to. I'm going to cast the first vote. All right. I'm going to say 2008. Trumps it for me. Jay-Z, a complete turning point in the history of Glastonbury and a fantastic set to boot. Kings of Leon at the height, and especially including a lot of their first album stuff, things like Molly's Chambers uh, and Red Morning Light, just absolute blinding live songs. And my pretty much the bulk of my favorite album in the verve so just tips it over the edge for me so i've 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 got my my score he's up gone. on the board uh, he's gone. and that's up to carlo, carlo and maynard to this side oh, i'm gonna no. it's a flip of a coin really but i'm gonna go i'm gonna go oh nine for the oh. legendary status of it but i'm gutted i don't get jay-z but i will go for the others because of all-round legendary uh stature you're like you're, lo- you're loving a bit of that blur aren't you Mm. I I think it's so yeah. tough. I you're like it's a flip of a coin, but I, I, I Neil Young. I can't personally say that I would be that enthralled. You and he's he's up against Kings of Leon, which again not my favorite band ever. But if you're there in 08, I think that's an amazing set. And then Urban Hymns is just it's calling to me, just to hear that album live. I've seen Blur. I've never seen the Verb. And that is that is a thing that I'm just. Where where do you see the verb these days? Where's Richard Ashcroft turning up with the verb? Blur, you can just see him down Margate. I swear, down the pier, you can just fucking hear him. 
Just no, go you... down there. Someone's playing. Dave, Dave Roundtree's just turning up around the corner. Come, come along. Come along to Graham Coxon's there. <laughs> come along to a, an Ashcroft gig with me, Matt. You won't be disappointed. He plays yeah. most. He plays most of Urban Hymns at them as well. Don't worry. Uh, so, are you going? Yeah. Oh wait. Oh wait. I'm just. I'm just going. Oh wait. And final that answer. means they're the winner. Final answer. Final answer. Oh wait. Confident. I'm not confident, but it's where I'm going. I presented you a cheque earlier for 2009 <laughs> You've just won the World Cup of Glastonbury 2008, Matt Maynard. Yeah! <laughs> He's done it. 2008 is the unofficial Glastonbury Mad Sounds World Cup winner. La- Gents, what a discussion. Fa- which, fa- which, which we must stress didn't include most of the sets. We sort <laughs> of randomly picked. Yeah, mm. most of all the mother amazing sets that we could have, but they they were they were out the hat and random. Uh, just before we conclude, a bit of housekeeping as usual. You can follow us. We are at the Mad Sounds Pod on Twitter. You can also, of course, subscribe and follow to us. If you're listening on Spotify right now, click the follow button, and if you're on Apple, click the subscribe button. The latest episode will come straight to your phone. Um, and also, we we are now enabled by Acast supporter. Now, if you listen to this podcast. And by the rare chance that you actually enjoy it, you can donate whatever you want to us in these tough times of COVID where we are all trying to find ways to make a bit of extra cash. And, you know, the overtime stocks and the creative juices aren't really paying the bills. So we're going to use that money to buy some beers for the next podcast. Yeah, even if we get five up, that, that's four cans down the offie and hopefully <laughs> it will make for a more... How do we send that to him in New York? I don't, that's what, how do we work that out? Well, yeah, Carla. Well, I'm not, I shouldn't get funded. I'm a guest. Yeah, you're right. You fucking I'm, 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 I'm donating. Yeah, you're donating. He's right. He's not, donating. not a lot. I'll tell you that. Are you gonna? Are you <laughs> gonna demand? Are you gonna demand a fee? Uh, after yeah, send us that dark fruit. No, I am very excited to see the donations that come through <laughs> in the coming. In the coming. <laughs> 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 oh, send us, send us that, send us that ACAR supporter. Cheers. Uh, bloody good donations coming in. But yeah, um, if, if, if you can spare a few a few quid or a few dollars, uh, then please do. <laughs> we really appreciate you listening and um, the numbers are growing week by week. So thank you very much for listening. Uh, that's all from me. Um, I'm half cut. So the other two lads that I'm uh, sharing this parish with. Um, this middle name. Anything you want to say, guys? Um, Thanks for having me again. Really enjoyed it. It makes me want to be at Glastonbury. Yeah, uh, the 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 take home from this is sorry about the, all the Glastonbury met, like uh, coverage, but it's the best place ever. So go there. A podcast full of nostalgia. Well, from me, it's goodbye. See you later. <laughs> See you later. See you later. Hello, welcome to the fucking hell, Maynard. It's the fans. I love that. I always it's that. It's because I I always wonder what that is. Oh, is that the fans clapping? No, it's um. Do you know what? Like when I've been to like live TV productions and everything, they always go three, two, one, and. I think we should start the pod here. So Spartans is just he does this thing (laughs) where he claps, and it's because apparently when he's been to live TV, um, that's what they do. I didn't hear the clap. Were you clapping? No, he does. He does an air clap. Fuck you want to include that? Yes. Put that at the end. Put that at the end. Put that at the end. Put it at the start. Put that at the end. Put it at the end. He said.